What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You could get them, but can you keep them? One hour. One hour. Welcome back to another episode of the Girl Stop Playing Podcast. It's your favorite homegirl, Coriel, here to encourage you to stop playing with your potential and start working for what you want in life and in love. You already know that I'm bringing you the information and the conversations to help you make the money and get the honey. You can have it all as long as you are willing to work. And on today's episode, we are going to get into a much needed conversation about something that is really affecting our community. And it is my belief that the more we open up um, to have these conversations, honest dialogue about things that we're dealing with, the better and further we can go um, as a community. And so today's conversation, we are going to talk about one that I don't see talked about often enough from a proactive standpoint. It always seems like when something horrible happens, you know, then we're having a reactive conversation. But I believe we can prevent some of these things if we um, start to open up and hear, you know, different perspectives from different people. So today's topic, uh, we're going to get into domestic violence, y'all. And you know, I have my own personal experience um, and run in. I feel like it's like, you know, run in with the law. I didn't had a little run in y'all. And um, so many of us, so many women have dealt with domestic abuse. And because it was not necessarily violent, um, they don't always get um, the opportunity to have their voice heard. And so today we're going to talk to two very brave women who are open and honest and here to share their story in hopes that they can help someone out there either dealing with something similar or you might be the person to save someone close to you who might be dealing with um, a domestic violence situation. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having here. us. Yes, beautiful ladies. They are not sisters, y'all. I know they 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 give it sis, but they are not. Y'all just met today, right? Yes. Okay, so go ahead and introduce yourselves. Alicia, we'll start with you. Okay, well, hello, everyone. I am Alicia Noel. Um, I am a wife, a mom, and um, I'm a survivor. Come on, I'm a survivor. I am Shamir Goldsboro. I am a mother, a writer, a nurse, um, and a survivor. I'm originally from Boston, and my um, domestic abuse um, situation actually was the catalyst for why I moved to Atlanta gotcha. five years ago. Okay, okay. So I want to take a step back, and f- you said you're currently married. I'm yes. assuming that what we're going to be talking about today is not your current husband. It is not. Got you. Okay, I just want to 
Let's clear the air, right. please. Clear the air. Okay. He is amazing. Right. We don't need honey getting any backlash. Um, but I would love for that relationship, I would love for you to talk um, about the beginnings of it. So, like, where did you meet? What was the foundation? Because so often, some of those very first encounters were filled with information that we just weren't really ready for. So, can you take us back to like day one? How did you meet? Ooh, so for me, I was about to be a freshman in high school mm. and I had just went through this transformation. This um, I had lost like 50 pounds over the summer. Uh, it was the glow up for me. Um, I got back to school and people were like, oh, this is a new person. And um, he was a senior in high school and um, I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I didn't have my dad in the home, my mom. All I saw was her go through different relationships with abuse. And so when I met this guy who was very, you know, smooth talking, all the things, um, it was just like, okay, go with it, girl. Like you're in this glow up phase. You haven't felt love um, or felt what I thought was love at the time. And so the very, you know, first moments of meeting him, it was just like, he told me all the things, wear this to the basketball game, do this, do all the things. And it was those moments that I, I you know, I thought someone was caring for me. But looking back on it, he was grooming me and also preparing me for how he would treat me later on in the relationship. Mm -hmm. mm. And what could you and I know, you know, it's probably far back to think about. Yeah. But do you remember at what point or how far down the line you got like an inkling or like a something not being right? Yeah. So for me, of course, going into high school, there's lots of opportunities for you to, you know, start having events and parties. And I remember specifically a guy spoke to me at a party and like he he really confronted the guy and they almost got into an altercation. And for me, that was like a it was a red flag, but at the same time, I was just so looking for love that I didn't even see it as something that mm -hmm. would be a negative because I was just so focused on, well, somebody cares for me. Um, somebody who I feel like has my best intentions is looking out for me, so to speak. And uh, really, that was just the first of many, um, the many times we tried to break up. And if another guy looked at me the wrong way, there was an altercation or a fight, um, you know, to the point of leading up to my high school graduation where I graduated with a black eye from him. Um, I was class, I was my class valedictorian. And so trying to cover that up to really give a speech and push through a moment where I felt the most broken. I had the biggest accomplishment of my life to that point, and I felt completely broken. And so all of those little stepping stones that we see as opportunities for us to get out, um, if we don't have the right people around us to support us, to help us get out, we won't. Um, and that was what was really big for me along the journey was I did have a few people who I really felt like were in my corner, but the people who could do the most about it, my family didn't. And that was really hard. You, so many points that I think are important to bring up. Um, you mentioned that he was grooming you. You mentioned that, you know, these things that you thought were love were really subtle signs of 
maybe emotional abuse. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times it's emotional and mental before it turns physical because they are grooming you to prepare you for, you know, how they need you to respond when it does turn physical. And I love that we're even able to talk about a teenage perspective because I am blown away by the number of little girls mm -hmm. that are in abusive relationships. Yeah. And as a grown-ass woman, to think about how that can affect you if th your first boyfriend is, mm -hmm. is beating on you. You know, how that yeah. could just spiral into just so, you know, just the adult version, basically, yep. you know, and, and you're almost attracted to that. just all of the things that that could could cause. And we never talk to young girls about what they're going through or the signs to look for. And so we become grown women who find themselves in relationship and, you know, think that because you want to talk to me all day long, all night long. You want to hold me so close. You want to make sure I'm good. You want to call my phone a million times that you love me so much. But having these conversations, you know, even if you're not dealing with it right now, and this podcast might be playing in the background, but just having these conversations when you are faced with something, you can at least look, look at it with a different perspective and not just be all excited because somebody quote unquote cares about you so much. Cause a lot of times that abusive behavior is wrapped up in care and concern. And mm -hmm. I just want what's best for you, but it's really, I want what I want for you. Right. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, I guess the beginnings of your experience because you were, how old were you? Um, I was an adult. Okay. Um, I had actually just left a 12 year relationship okay. with my high school sweetheart, my ex-husband and I started this relationship immediately um, without healing and processing. So that was already... What's wrong. immediately? Like um, like four months Okay. Um, from separating from my husband, my ex-husband. And my ex-husband and I, we had a church family, I guess, relationship. I was raised in the church. My mother was an ordained minister. My ex-husband was the minister of music. I was the treasurer. I taught classes. And I stepped out of that very, it started to become kind of slow and boring, I guess. And my next relationship was with a bad boy. Mm. And I liked the excitement at first. It was different. I liked being outside. We took trips. We spent a lot of money. And we dated for five years before the first physical altercation well the only main one um happened between us I guess in the beginning the things that I thought were cute that he always knew where I was he bought my phones his family and friends were always around and knew where I was or would tell him when they seen me I didn't really see that as him just kind of closing in on my world and being everywhere and that it was a negative mm -hmm. um I watched my mom go through some domestic violence, and because I didn't think that the things that were occurring to me kind of fit what my head said was abuse, I just, that was normal and it was okay. That part. Mm -hmm. Because then we turn around and have our own children. Right. And then we still have not even recognized that we're in an abusive relationship. Now our kids are exposed to that abusive relationship and now they got to try to figure it out and their kid mm -hmm. with their kid glasses, right? And we haven't even figured it out with our adult 
perspective. And so it's like the cycle. And both of you have mentioned, you know, you saw you saw things with your with your mother. Um, what were you mentioned a little bit that your family was not as supportive. What was your family's role in seeing, witnessing, supporting, advocating, encouraging? Like what was their role in in your relationships? Well, my family told me not to date him. My mother and my grandmother, we had family events and he was invited. And my grandmother, which she rarely speaks on it because she was the mother of nine children and she plays the background unless you need info. She said, no, baby. No. She said, no. She said, he doesn't even look like a man to me. Mm. And my mother was like, absolutely not. And what was your response in, in those moments? I said, okay, Nana. And, you know, I said, I am shocked that, you, you know, you're talking to me about it. I said, but okay, I love you, you know. And because um, he had asked me to marry him like immediately. And I, I said yes. And then I said no. And I said yes. And I said no. Because I was fighting with hearing from my younger sister telling me, no, he's not good enough for you. My brother's, you know, one, my older brother was like, no. My mom was like, you can't go anywhere with him. I don't. You know, I don't care what trips he takes you on. He's not presentable. You know, my mother was very bougie, I guess. So she was like, no, you know. So, um, but after we had our, it started to break down and we had a house together and we had our only child together. She was six months old when everything just kind of unraveled. Mm-hmm. Um, my family really wasn't supportive in that transitional period. Were they not supportive in the tone of we told you so or were they not supportive in that they didn't really know what was going on to be able to support or neither um it was a little of both because while we were in the house I wasn't really telling my family exactly what was going on um because once I got pregnant with our daughter we got you know a house together and a couple of cars and everything was kind of in my name and then Little things started to happen once we were living in the house together. Um, I had to be on bed rest with the pregnancy, so the financial abuse started, and then the emotional and verbal abuse started because I was basically at, you know, I literally had to be in the bed to make sure my child was safe, and I had two other children, you know, that were also in the home, so I'm trying to keep the peace, but little things were happening. He would block my phone, so I couldn't, use the Wi-Fi, like I couldn't use iMessage to text and I couldn't, you know, I would be forced to try to communicate with my family over Facebook and he could get into my emails because he gave me a laptop, but I didn't know that that was giving him the ability to have all of my password. Like it just, everything, it was a lot that he was doing. We had cameras in the home and went right to his phone. So he knew whenever someone came over and I would get a text message, he'd be like, whose car is that? Why, who said you could have someone over? So when he started saying things like that, I'm like, what? Like, it was, mm-hmm. it was shocking. It was humbling. It was embarrassing. The embarrassment is mm-hmm. what this whole conversation is hopefully going to dispel because that's why you didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. I I know because mm-hmm. that's why we don't tell anybody. Yep. It's almost as if the moment you start saying it out of your mouth, when you hear it, mm-hmm. like when you hear your voice saying it, that's when it's real. Yep. So as long as you don't have to say it, as long as you don't have to admit it, as long as you can just, you know, put the makeup on your face, 
figuratively or, you know, truly to cover up whatever you're going through, then it's not real. But once it's real, you got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Once it's real, you have to do something about it. And so a lot of times when you're not ready for it to be real, you keep it to yourself. Yes. So what was (laughs) the, because all of those things that you named so far, you can hide it. Yeah. Don't nobody know what's going on with exactly. your bank account. Don't nobody know that your your husband blocked you. Maybe you couldn't pay the bill this month. Like mm-hmm. we're making assumptions about what happened, but right. nobody really knows until it turns physical. And sometimes if you can't even know that episode because we can hide that. We can cover it. We can right. do all of the things. But did you ever have any moments where maybe a friend or someone noticed something and said something, you know, that that maybe from the outside looking in or maybe a child noticed something and, you know, tried to encourage you to get out or talk about it or at no point did anybody try to step in? No, I probably could have won an Academy Award for (laughs) the performance I was putting on. Because everyone thought that we were completely happy. We had the house, the cho- our, you know, my children were good children in good schools. Um, you know, in our hometown, the side of town that we lived on, that it was the more expensive side of town. So and just- professionally, what do you what do you do? I'm a nurse. So for all of the people who think that women who end up in these situations look a certain way, they work mm-hmm. a certain job, they're in a certain field, they live in a certain part of the country or part of the right. world, they have a certain demeanor or none of that is none of that. You could be the smartest, most successful, baddest woman that walks into the room, most confident, like mm-hmm. it could still creep up at your door and you don't see it yeah. coming. So for people who might be a friend Mm -hmm. to someone who's dealing with something like this, um, Alicia, to your point of, you know, the people not doing much, what what can people do if you are at the point where maybe you're open to it? Because until you're at that point, all you're really going to do is push push the victim closer to the abuser Mm -hmm. because I'm not ready to deal with it. And the only person who understands is this person who's abusing me. So now we're going to get tighter. But when you are ready, what's something that can be done to actually, you know, be supportive or be an advocate in your opinion? I think the most important thing is just letting them know, letting that person that's being abused know that you're there, like through all situations. Cause I remember my breaking moment. I was a freshman in college and we had gotten into an altercation in the lunchroom. He had followed me to co- I thought that was my breakaway. He had followed me to college, had never been to college himself, and all of a sudden he's enrolled in classes. Wait, so y'all dated your whole high school career? My whole high school okay. career. Yep, because of va- valedictorian. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm back. Okay, okay. Yes, so we get to the campus of Troy University, and I mean, I'm, I'm literally thinking this is my breakaway, and all of a sudden he's registering class, like a late registration. I still don't know how he got in. Um, but I remember the altercation happening on campus and at the time I was working, I had a full ride to, to go to school and the altercation happened. And the next day I got requested to go to the Dean's office. And to this day, I will send this Dean emails and thank yous. The Dean had a really deep conversation with me and Dean Reese was like, Alicia, I look at your resume and I see the future. I see all the things you can have. And he said, you're letting one person stop you from that. And he said, I'm going to tell you, if this happens on my campus again, I have a duty to keep everyone else here safe. So you will lose your scholarship and you will go home. But he said, if you let me, I will keep you safe. And he said, if you let me, um, I will have campus security escort you 
to and from your classes, to and from your dorm room. He said, but you have to choose that for yourself. And to this day, I know if he hadn't have given me that option and given me that support, I know that I would probably still be on this cycle um, because it really took someone outside of my family to see all of that was good in me, um, to know that I had a potential in a future, to know that there were so many opportunities for me, but I was letting this one thing that I thought was love hold me back. And so that started, um, I remember going back to my dorm room and just having a cry out moment. And I just like a moment, I I will tell you, I'm very faith-based. I felt like that was my first time encountering Jesus. And he was just like, I I have you. There's so much more for you, my daughter. And um, it started, I I would call the campus security if I felt like it was late because I worked a job. I had, I got home late. And um, to the point one time he, I had roommates that were from a foreign country And somehow they, he had got to our dorm and let, he was in my dorm room waiting on me when I got home from work one night. And I just remember pressing um, this campus security and like within 30 minutes he was gone, he was banned. And that was the very last time that I saw him. Wow. And I just knew in that moment that I was protected, that I was safe. And I had built a church family there. And so I would really go to church and I would start slowly telling them what I was dealing with. And they were just so prayerful for me. They gave me a space to be able to talk through it and be myself and begin my healing journey. And, um, you know, I had many people throughout the times in high school that saved me along the way, but it wasn't until that moment where I was ready and I knew it for without a shadow of doubt that I had that support that I could fully break ways and part ways. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you really do need a panic button, someone that you can truly call and say, this is an emergency. I need you. I need support. I need help. And um, when that happened for me, that was the moment I could actually break free and break loose of the chains that had been on me for over five years. So. I don't know this number by heart, but there is a domestic violence hotline that we will definitely make sure we link um, because so many people don't have a safe space. I mean, thankfully, in that situation, you have, you know, the support of the staff and the, you know, the campus um, security. But as adults, who's your campus security? Who's your phone a friend? Who's your safe space that's not going to judge you, Mm -hmm. you know, when you truly need like a way out or just an ear? Because sometimes if we're being honest, you're not really ready to make a change, but you still want an outlet, right? Right. You still want to talk talk to someone. And so having that support system, whether you're paying for it through a therapist or, you know, a friend, I think is is so important. Um, Do you think that having your the Christian foundation of your family, do you think that that made you stay longer than you should have? Or do you think that that um, was eventually like part of the reason that you did leave or or did it play a role? Okay. Um, I think initially, you know, being a Christian, being raised in a Christian home, you were told that you were supposed to pray your way through your hardships, that you were supposed to stand and be strong and be committed and be faithful. But you're also told that, if you step outside of God and his will for you, you do have to live. If you step outside of God's will, you have to stay outside of his will with whatever you just got. So I was battling with that with myself, staying in that relationship, knowing that that wasn't the lifestyle for me, that he lived, that it wasn't good enough for me, that eternally I want to go to heaven and I want that for my children. 
And that relationship tore my life up. And I did have one friend, you know, I when I needed, I said, I can't take this anymore. I'm being stalked. I'm being harassed. He's dragging me to court. Like, I need an out. I cannot stay in Massachusetts anymore. I called my one friend and she helped me relocate to here. And I've been doing the inner work and my life has been amazing since I moved here. So what was that girl stop playing moment? What was that thing that you were going through that you that made you pick up the phone and call your girlfriend? I looked at my children. I said, because we had to move a couple of times to keep us safe and to make sure that they could go to sleep at night knowing that we were safe and that nobody, you know, no people associated with him or him knew where we lived. And they were not comfortable. I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my children and I'm like, ultimately they're healthy, but I can't say that they are as happy as they should be right now. And it is a consequence of my actions. The, I don't want to say the burden. Sometimes it feels like a burden. The burdens of a mother. Yes. Of deal, like experiencing the trauma yourself. Mm-hmm. And if that ain't bad enough, right. thinking about and trying to calculate how you can save your children from having to experience this or lighten the experience, lessen the experience, you know, shield them from the experience. It's it's a lot. It is just so much. Um, so again, having these conversations, because even if you're not dealing with these specific, you know, situations, we're all dealing with something and throw on that other layer of being responsible for someone else's childhood is just like, yeah. So as a mother with daughters, both of you, you have one daughter, you have, Three daughters, yes. With the experiences that you have, what is one lesson that you want your daughter to take into her adult relationships? I am very open with my children. And I think that that is the best part um, of our relationships is that I don't hide anything. So when I am trying to teach them the healthy way to be loved and to love They're not looking at it like I'm being a hypocrite or that's not what I'm applying to my life or what I'm accepting because they've seen what I've accepted, but they've seen what I've gotten rid of. And I now know what I will not tolerate. So my girls definitely know how to be loved, you know, what the expectations are um, and how they should carry themselves to get to get that. And they know who to call if they need help at any time. I'm always ready. (laughs) Stay ready, mama, stay ready. Stay ready for anything, for all of them. But yeah, I, I'm just open and honest with them. And I and I tell them, you don't have to hide anything from me. So I have a question. With your mom having told you, hell no, this is not the right one, girl. No, I see some, I see some. What would you say to your daughter? If you felt like this is not the one, would you be vocal about it? Would you try to support her through it and hope that she sees it? Mm-hmm. And I don't expect you to have a you know a right. right answer, but that's a tough spot to be in. It is. I would definitely just, I would do a little bit of what Alicia said, you know, just letting them know that you're there. And, you know, don't get tired because sometimes we can get tired when we have friends that are in a, rela- a, fr- a situation because mm-hmm. it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be anything. And we are like, oh, my gosh, you know. So I kind of let go of that attitude and I'm just consistently willing to listen because sometimes they just need someone to listen. 
because the conversation will turn when they're looking for resolutions. And that's when I gonna come with my resolution bag. I'm gonna stop pulling them all out. Do you need to relocate? Do you need this? Do you need to find a church? Do you need to find? And that has kind of just kind of catapult me into some of the experiences and um, things that I've had since I've been here. I always know the resources of the area to help women. Not that I don't care about my men, I do, but I look it up, I try to follow. That's how I found you. <laughs> women who are empowering us, who have the information, who are putting it out there, who are having the conversations, I just like to spread it because if I can just say one person, mm-hmm from going through what I went through or some of the things that I see or that you have spoken about on your platform, then I feel good. I, I feel love good that. And, that. And, and again, like if y'all could just take away from these conversations, some of the things that are not typically considered abuse. I think right. that to That's me, huge. in my experience, that was the biggest thing was like, well, all of these five things were abuse, not mm-hmm. just the time that he physically right. like, punches you. That's not when it becomes abuse. There's mm-hmm. so many things that usually lead to that. That's usually not mm-hmm. step one. So if we can start recognizing the red flags before they even you know, turn mm-hmm. or orange flags before they even turn red, then we can save the high school girls. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, or even talking to the friends of the high school girl about what to do, how to support it, how to recognize when your friend is in a situation that is not right, right. you know? And and so just being a resource, I think is super, super important. What about you, Alicia? Opposite of her having the mom that was in the hell nah, it was a mom that was like very encouraging of the relationship. Mm. And why do you think that was? So I'm just realizing this over the last two years with deeper conversations with my mom, um, she grew up very much so. Her mom instilled in her, you were not worthy unless you had a man. Mm-hmm. And she got like very deep with me about um, when her mom passed almost two years ago to the date. She got very deep with me about all the things that she saw growing up and um, that she was basically used, um, I would say, somewhat of as, as a sex slave as a teenager to get things that her mom wanted. And so I think a lot of it, having conversations and healing conversations with your parents, with your therapist, can truly start to show you, my mom just didn't know any better to to an extent um, because it had been ingrained in her since she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And so having those more conversations that showed me things um, to the point um, during the abuse at one point in time, I ran away to be with a guy. Um, I was on going for like a day. Um, but my mom told me after that point, she would never stop me from seeing him. And I said, this was like six months ago. And I was like, mom, why? And she said, well, you're my, my aunt. Um, when my, my mom and my grandmother were my biggest advocates of, in life. And she said, when you ran away that one time, your grandmother told me to never push away because remember how hurt we were, we, they were when my aunt ran away. She was gone for two weeks with her, um, her lover at the time. And they were gone in Tennessee. My, my grandmother, of course, no phones. They had no idea where she was. And so my mom and my grandmother were like, let's just protect her. We can keep her safe if we know where she is. 
And so just finding this out years later, and I'm still in a place of healing. Being a mom has forced me to heal Mm -hmm. because I never want to see my daughter go through that. Even to the point like my husband and I have been married almost 10 years. And he was like, you've just started having conversations with me about this where you will talk about it because it was such a hard time in my life. And I felt like the embarrassment and the shame were heavy on me. But in all actuality, they were just things of my situation that were forced upon me that I saw abuse that I thought were okay. Mm -hmm. And until I started being able to heal and being able to see this had nothing to do with you, Mm -hmm. but it had everything to do with your circumstances and the people around you not being in a position to know how to help you. And so the things that you're talking about, about helping the young girls, helping their friends know what's the right thing to do, who's the right people to address and to become advocates for. It's so important to me because if someone had healed my mom before me, would I have had to experience that? And so now my daughter has a healing and healed mom that is going to be able to talk through it with her, that is going to be able to also recognize the signs but be more so interjected into it in a way that I know I'm the person that's meant to support her and keep her safe, especially when she is under my roof and she is a teenager. I didn't know the right things to do. And had I had um, a mom who was more informed and knew the right things to do, those situations could have been stopped and prevented. And so I'm all for reaching out to our young ladies and letting them know, no no matter your age, that it's really important that you find that safe space and that you try to get to the root of of why you think it's okay. Because for me, for the longest, I just I was like, this is okay how he's treating me. It's what you're it's what you're used to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's it's either what you're used to or it's not as bad as right. what you saw. Mm-hmm. So it can't be that bad mm-hmm. because it's not that. And I think to your point about your mom, a lot of times, listen, mm-hmm. we be giving daddies hell. Mm-hmm. These mamas. Mm-hmm. Are at a, at the root of a lot of these issues because that their generation that's the unhealed generation. Like we're just we're talking about mental health and right. we we're normalizing these conversations, right? Mm-hmm. We got therapists. Our mamas mm-hmm. don't have no therapists. They are offended by the mm-hmm. conversation about a therapist, right? And so a lot of them, if if they are a D. The name mamas was like a F, right? <laughs> because we don't want to think about our grandmothers in that way. Right. But a lot of the things, there was a lot of abuse going on, mm-hmm. right? And so if if my mom is like beating me down, as long as I don't beat you down, I could beat you down with my words, but that's not, a, I'm not physically touching right. you. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, so it's not as bad. So you have nothing to complain about. And then generation after generation after generation, it's like a cycle. We repeat a little less you know, it, it gets a little bit better, but it's still not right. The things that we're doing to our kids and then they grow up and it's the cycle continues. And so, again, having these conversations, being aware enough to recognize, OK, this is an abusive situation, um, having the the the, I guess, braveness to get out of it. And then being willing to be a resource to other people, to share what you've been through, to not let that shame keep you stuck, because there's so much shame mm-hmm. attached to how could I yes. end up in this or how could I let this happen? Especially when you have become whoever you, you know, as a high school freshman, you haven't become anybody yet, mm-hmm. which 
can be more harmful because it's, you know, you're being abused as you are becoming. But when you've become somebody mm -hmm. and you think you are this person and then you find yourself in a situation that's shameful or embarrassing, mm -hmm. that can really do a number on you. It can really make it even more difficult to get help or to yeah. get out. Um, so I appreciate y'all for being here and being willing, you know, to be open and honest. Um, so with hindsight being 2020, any advice, any words of encouragement, any words of wisdom um, that you would like to share? Well, for me, I think that um, with anything in life, relational, um, platonic and romantic, you know, seek God first and then also allow the fruits of that person to really speak for them to let you know, because God is going to always show you who should be in your life and who should be removed. And I was blatantly um, ignoring God speaking to me. Um, and that is why, you know, to me, a lot of the things that happened were because I was not listening. So. I love that. I, I would say know yourself enough to know what you deserve but you find that in the Bible. You start finding those things that tell you who you are. So also don't allow yourself to get in relationships until you're confident in who you are. Because the moment someone starts filling you, your buckets telling you who you are, you believe those to be truths. And they're not. And, and so for me as a young woman, but even now in my adult life, I'm having to refill those buckets. And I think if you start with those buckets first and you, you build on who you are, it will also have you questioning not just the the relationships with um, a significant other, but your friendships. And it will allow you to establish the right people that you can trust. Um, from the moment I, I thought I was going to commit suicide my sophomore year to my history teacher being the person who spoke life into me. And she shared her story with me. And she shared what she had overcome and how she had graduated college and moved on to be the most one of the most successful women I know. If you're open to sharing your story with someone, do it mm -hmm. because you do not know in that moment how it can be the life changing thing for them. So before we get out of here, ladies, I would love for y'all to share your info, um, social media. If people want to stay connected, um, they might slide in your DMs <laughs> for some resources. So please look into that camera and share. Well, hello, I'm Alicia Noel. I'm on Instagram and all social handles at I am Alicia Noel, and I answer all the DMs. So if you have a question or you're just on this journey yourself, I would love to chat with you and just be your resource and your guide. I am Shamir Goldsboro. I am on all social media handles. Um, you can find me by my full name, Shamir Goldsboro. My Instagram is queen underscore CJ. I do answer questions, so go ahead and shoot me a question if you have any questions about anything that was spoken about today or if you need information about something else um, in the Atlanta area regarding women. I definitely appreciate y'all for sharing your story, for your willingness. I think that it just is such a testament when we can learn lessons, but we don't feel like we have to hoard them because we understand how helpful even the struggles, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to, y'all don't even have to have arrived right. to be able to be a resource for other people because there's always someone somewhere that is dealing with something that you've been through. So thank y'all for being here. Mm -hmm. And so thank y'all for sticking it out until the end. Y'all, hopefully this has been a therapeutic conversation, maybe even a conversation that revealed some things um, for you or maybe revealed something for someone around you. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe that y'all have 
have made it to the end of this episode for no reason. So make sure that you share this with a friend. If spirit is leading you to send this uh, video, to send this episode as a resource to someone, please follow that guidance, okay? I appreciate y'all for tuning in. I'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed that episode, make sure you subscribe to the channel so you don't miss out on any upcoming content and take it a step further and go ahead and join our private community over on Patreon because it comes with some pretty bomb perks, including early and discounted access to our upcoming events, behind the scene exclusives with some of your favorite guests, the opportunity to call in on an upcoming show, the chance to vote on topics and guests for brand new shows, and I'm even giving you unlimited access to my vault of business classes where I'm teaching you everything from Airbnb to developing digital products and everything in between. And you can get access to our Patreon for as little as $5 a month, okay? Get in where you fit in, and I'll see you on the inside. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.